0: does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties: a 2-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com.
1: You're listening to the best of Kevin Inquiry on 935 and 1075, The Fan. Good Wednesday morning to you again, if you are just waking up and you have a flight this morning you are going to be delayed the faa delaying all domestic flights until at minimum 9 a.m due to eastern time due to a computer outage essentially i mean we can get it's more specific than that but that's the easiest way to say it so um certainly wish everybody the best but be aware of that this morning uh, we do not need a plane, but rather simply the phone lines to go up north to our friends in Detroit. Joining us now on the Payless Slickers Hotline to talk about not only the Colts, well, almost entirely the Colts uh, coaching search, which has a couple of tentacles throughout the reaching out throughout the Detroit area. Dave Burkett, a Michigan Sports Writer of the Year from the Detroit Free Press, joins us right now on the program. Dave, good morning to you. Thanks for getting up early and joining us this morning. Yeah, no problem. How are you? Uh, we are doing well, thanks. I, and, you know, obviously around here and, you know, listen, if you cover the Lions, you're no stranger to this. Just the the off-seasons of question marks, which for Indianapolis is obviously, um, you know, I think a little bit unique. Last couple of years, it's been a little bit more common. But the Colts reaching out and saying, you know, after the Lions had a really good year, obviously, that they would like to talk to both coordinators, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, the Colts would like to interview. Um, Let's begin with this. Did that surprise you at all when you heard that news?
0: No, because I think the Lions have um, two pretty good and respected coordinators. I mean, you're right. Historically, uh, seems like that never happens. I mean, uh, for your for your listeners, the uh, the last time a Lions assistant has gone on to become a head coach of another team was Chuck Knox in the 1970s. So, mm. tells you how how long it's been, but. Look, um, you know Ben Johnson, Lions' offensive coordinator, really good reputation and, and what he did. Young guy, obviously, and only one year at it. But I think everyone across the league is sort of amazed at um, you know the work that he did with with Jared Goff in the Lions' offense this year to make it one of the highest scoring units in the league. And then Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, you know he had a couple job interviews last year uh, with with the Denver Broncos and and New Orleans Saints. And um, so even though the Lions' defense wasn't great this year, uh, no one would we'll, we'll, we'll try and convince you otherwise, uh, you know, I think he has a pretty strong reputation as, uh, you know, a leader and, and a people person.
2: Again, okay, he's Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press. We're getting to know a couple of the Colts' potential interview candidates here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Let's go back to Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator. He's only been doing it for, I guess, a little over a year. I believe he took over play calling duties um, late in 2021. When I have read up on him, I almost get a feel, Dave, and I don't know how well you know his story, but a little bit of like a Brad Stevens feel of like an extremely bright individual, you know, was a walk-on in college, you know, computer engineering, all of that. Um, and, And it almost seems like He's just kind of a brainiac running the show up there offensively,
0: no, I think that's that's very much the case. I mean, you know, I wrote about him when he got the the job here in in February he was promoted from tight ends coach um and everyone sort of knew it was coming, but you know the guy got like almost a perfect score on his s a t and on the math portion of it, you know, and he he was a double major in college, and so there's there's a lot of uh, I mean, he's a very intelligent person, and you know I think that comes through in the way that he, you know, sees and calls plays and, and sees things develop, and um, you know maybe the, the the creativity and ingenuity that he has with just some of the the motions and shifts and, and doing things that really have become a staple of some of the most high powered offenses in, in the league. You know, he did a really good job of. Of taking advantage or, or using all these Lions players to their strengths and you know I know every coach says they want to do that but, but sometimes that's lip service so um, you know I, I don't think you find anyone in this Lions organization or Lions locker room that wasn't impressed with the, the job that Ben did this year. Hell we saw mice the game
2: going deep into the playbook there on Sunday night uh, yep. at, at Lambeau and then Aaron Glenn um, I think Colts fans know the name I mean certainly he's been involved AFC East AFC South as a player and like you said he got pretty deep I think in talks with the New Orleans Saints last year to be their head coach. Um, it seems like his biggest strength is probably, you know, kind of that fiery demeanor and his personality.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, look, it's when Dan Campbell put the Lions staff together, you know, a lot of people talked about all the ex players on the staff and, and how they would relate to, you know, the current players and, and what that meant. You know the the way they understood players and would take care of them, but yet you know be able to push them and and I think that's kind of who Aaron is is that you know he's a guy who who pushes the right buttons uh with his players you know he, he doesn't pull any punches uh you know he's he's pretty pretty blunt with them um you know as a play caller he's he's very aggressive. Um, you know, I think if you look at what the Lions have done these these last two years, again the, the numbers haven't been great, and some of that is personnel. I mean, they started four rookies on defense at, at times this year, but um, you know, Aaron's a guy who likes to bring the house and blitz. And, and when they were struggling early on, you know, they they decided they had to scale things back a little bit, and they went pretty basic on, on first and second down to let some of those young guys sort of catch their breath and understand what was going on. Um, and then, you know, they, they kept things exotic or, or kept doing some different things on, on third downs, bringing pressures like, like Aaron likes to do. And, and then as those, you know, that the young guys seemed to, to catch up to that, then they, they started mixing some of them back in on early downs. So, yeah, Aaron is definitely known as, as a people person, a, a players coach, but. Um, not in a soft way you know he just doesn't sugarcoat things and and guys definitely liked him and, and the attitude that he brought to that defense
1: Dave Burkett is our guest he's on the Payless Lakers hotline he is with the Detroit Free Press Dave as we talk about these coordinators Ben Johnson Aaron Glenn the Lions you know the job that Dan Campbell did this year and we think from a Colts standpoint of kind of lasering in as candidates there Any chance this is all a moot point because it's actually in Ann Arbor where the Colts are going to find their guy? What are the odds that Jim Harbaugh does go to the NFL? And if so, do you believe that Indianapolis would be of intrigue for him?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a tricky one because, um, look, I I think on some level Jim definitely – Wants to go back to the NFL and, and look, I'll be the first to say I do not know Jim or, or, you know, his people. So this is sort of me reading the tea leaves and, and just, um, you know, being around Michigan and kind of knowing him a little bit, but he, uh, uh, from afar that is, but he, uh, you know, I, I think there's an intrigue about, you know, wanting to, Make a run at the Super Bowl and being in the best league possible, and and um, you know getting away from NIL and you know recruiting and all all those things. Uh, so that's you know that part of it makes me believe that yeah that that could be possible. But you know the the backstory is that you know Michigan took some money away from him a couple of years ago too, and I, I can't imagine that felt well with him. And then you know they gave it back, and you know. Uh, you know he spread it out to his coordinators and he's still you know compared to some other colleges college coaches you know underpaid and and so maybe there's a little bit of a financial thing here um, you know and, and I, I look at some of the reports and again this is I don't have any first-hand knowledge of this but you know if you really want a job right and maybe you know the Denver somebody wants you to come in person to interview and, and you do it over phone and it's just sort of a get- to know you session at first I don't know if you really want that job don't you you know, drop what you're doing to, to go do it in person. Yeah. And I thought about the that. one. That's reaching out to Carolina and not Carolina's reaching out to you, you know, the, the weeks in advance of talking there. Like, so I, I I don't know. It, it's tough. Some of these tea leaves are giving me mixed signals, I guess. Yeah. Um, but just, just to, on the Colts, like, I would think the Colts would be because he has ties to Indy and he played there. And I would think in the organization itself, right? I mean, you look at the pieces, I would think that would be one of the most attractive of these jobs, the only, the only thing that might, um, you know, I guess give Jim pause or that might not make it a fit is, you know, if Jim leaves Michigan, he, he probably needs a lot of power and Chris Ballard isn't going anywhere. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't know that that would be the right fit ultimately for him to make the jump. If he doesn't have the power that he needs, um, sort of like he does at Michigan.
2: Dave, final one for me. And again, Dave Burkett's with us. You guys heard him back on with us around, uh, training camp when the Lions came down here for the joint practices so you know Chris Boward got a look at Ben Johnson Aaron Glenn you know kind of firsthand up close at those joint practices we know he interviewed Dan Campbell back after Josh McDaniels you know turned his back on the altar um, to the Colts in 2018 how would you describe Johnson and Glenn and their personalities compared to Campbell
0: <laughs> dan is about as fire as they get right i mean look dan has just a way of like everyone gravitates towards him and responds to him and and you know certainly you know um I, I think you know really connects with him and and i i think the same can be said for for some of his assistants and in fact you know i i was thinking about this somebody um had asked Dan at his, or I'm sorry Brad Holmes the line center manager at his, his end of season news conference yesterday about like you know Dan's this, this risk taking guy right he's got these gambles where he goes forward on fourth down and you know he, he does some things maybe that are a little unconventional and, and they asked Brad you know is that you too like is that a staple of sort of this regime you know because Brad Holmes traded D.J. Hawkinson middle of the season and he traded up to get Jamison Williams and I, I think some of that applies to those coordinators as well like you look at the play calls and Dan has to sign off on it, but uh, you know, you reference early on the, you know, the, uh, the hook and lateral with with you know the game basically on the line a chance to, to clinch the game and what do they run on you know second and seventeen they they throw a little slot you know pass and, and run a, a hook and ladder to, to DeAndre Swift you know and going for it on fourth down all the all the times to to clinch games so I think in Aaron Glenn's blitzing for that matter so I, I think there's a lot of similarities between Dan um, and both coaches and look Dan probably doesn't get enough credit for you know how intelligent he is and, and we talked about that with Ben certainly that I think that's a staple of um, you know the hours that these guys put in and, and some of the things that they do. Um, I, I think there's there's a lot of similarities, even though they may not quite be as fiery as Dan, I think there's a lot of similarities between Dan and, and both of those coaches.
1: You know, it's interesting to me, Dave, a buddy of mine who's a Lions fan was like, man, I really hope they can hold on to Ben Johnson because he's been promising and he's young, 36 years old, as yeah. you talked about. Uh, he probably needs to resign himself to the fact that he's not going to be around long, right? Because if it's not Indianapolis, it feels like he's kind of a bright rising star.
0: You know, um, I had this discussion with many people over the course of the season. One would read, Hey Ben could be a candidate for a job this year. And people say, nice. This is his first year. You know, he's 36. Like, what has he proven and well you go back and you look at the history of offensive coaches and some of the hires Zach Taylor was was well he had one year as an offensive coordinator and he barely called play I mean didn't call plays he was with Sean McVay right Sean McVay uh, even didn't have much experience you know calling plays and Sean McVay if I'm not mistaken came from a tight end spot like like Ben did where he was involved in both the pass and run game um yeah. you know so there's 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 other people that have um really gone that route of being a bright young offensive mind when you know teams don't want to pass on that guy because they think they may have the next Sean McVay and they want to especially when you you could be working with a young quarterback they want that person in place so there aren't a lot of jobs open I'm not sure Ben's going to get one now I think there's you know probably a decent chance that he does he's going to interview really well but if it doesn't happen this year it's probably going to happen next year
3: dave terrific stuff again a
2: couple of guys on the colts list so it was uh, enjoyable getting a little bit more insight into both of them uh, thanks for waking up with us early and uh, hopping on
0: no problem we'll talk to you guys again
4: life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqal and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
5: Look, I failed. I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses. I failed a lot of people.
2: Some of the opening words there. Yesterday, Chris Ballard, season-ending press conference. uh, Playing a lot of audio for those kind of looking for a written recap on that. Got some of it up on uh, our website, 107.5thefan.com. And certainly our next guest as well, ESPN.com. He is Stephen Holder. He joins us now. Um, Stephen, I'll I'll leave it pretty open-ended to to start. Um, Just kind of your overall thoughts on the Chris Ballard we saw yesterday.
6: Yeah, I uh, so I'm a little hoarse. Okay, guys, so bear with me. Can you understand what I'm saying? We'll call you Pony. Yeah. Sound outstanding, honestly. All right, good, good. So um, I I think that um, my my big takeaway, or one of my big takeaways, was that he was uh, his tone. I thought was was appropriate, and I think by that, what I mean is, you know, Chris Chris Ballard. He is very much, you know. Uh, you know, a big talking South Texas guy, right? And he, he is that by nature. And, and I think yesterday, you know, we saw a guy who had to kind of taken on the chin, and, and he was definitely humbled by, by what has happened. And I thought that was important because cause optics matter in these situations, particularly with a fan base that right now is, is just ready to, you know, to, there's a lot of kindling there, right? And if you spark, if you spark a match, you're going to set people on fire right now. And so I thought he took the right approach from a tone perspective. Now, beyond that, I mean, I actually think he came across pretty well overall. I think he said the right things. He acknowledged his mistakes. A lot of which we have talked about, written about uh, for a very long time. And he acknowledged, for example, the offensive line miscues and, and how those miscalculations had major impacts on on what they have done. I also think that he, it appears, has has learned that that this the, the quarterback carousel has to stop. I I am of I'm fully of the belief that it's over and that they are going to draft a quarterback. I don't think there's any other outcome here, and and I, I truly believe that after yesterday, and I, I think the owner won't let it happen either. So. Uh, yeah, those are kind of my big takeaways. Um, I, I know no shockers, but I think confirming a lot of the things that we we thought we knew.
1: Steven, I found it interesting that he kind of pinned a lot of their issue, among other things, but on the coaching carousel, or excuse me, the quarterbacking carousel. Yeah, because I, I'm like, well, yeah, but dude, that was your decision. Like that was the route you wanted to go, right? Maybe, but that's a whole different point i I wanted to ask you this i mentioned this earlier this morning and you are a more mature and level-headed individual than i so i want you to to wade through this um allegedly that's right i i I found it interesting and while i understand the respect level of it i do i found it interesting that every time he referenced jim ursay he referred to him as mr ursay um I, i get it that's his boss he's the owner but I don't hear Kevin Pritchard call Herb Simon, Mr. Simon. I don't recall Bill Polian calling Jim Ursay Mr. Ursay. To me, it it felt like a like subliminal or subconscious clear deference of basically tipping the hand that I am simply here, almost in figurehead, and ultimately every final decision comes down to Jim Irsay's, which is the... I understand it. He's the owner. But at the same time, there are the the cast system within most professional sports teams that a general manager or president is hired with a certain level of autonomy. Am I overthinking it, or was there a little bit of that there?
6: Uh, well, I I would say if you if you're around that building much at all. Um, you hear him referred to as Mr. Ursay every day, right? That's that's just the way people refer to him. Well, why, why I don't know. I don't work there. I don't know how that works. But but that is a very very common thing that I hear literally every day. Um, I, I think I think the relationship between Chris Ballard and, and Jim Ursa, uh I, I think he described it relatively accurately in that Chris does voice his opinion and and probably, you know, stronger than people think. At the same time, uh, I do think that the owner has, has been a little more strong-willed of late. He's been much more strong-willed. Um, look, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday, uh, KB and, and some other writers. I mean, Chris has had a lot of autonomy, a lot, in, in previous years. I mean, if you go back to... Josh McDaniels, for example, that was not Jim Merce whatsoever. That was all, all, all Chris Ballard. Frank Reich was Chris Ballard. I mean, Jim Merce was on board. You know, Chris had ties to the Colts, so that was, oh, excuse me, Frank had ties to the Colts, so he was certainly on board with it. But Chris has had a lot of autonomy. There's no question about it. You know, he seems to have less of it right now. I don't think that has anything to do with how he referred to his boss in that press conference. I just think that is... Just a, a, a fact of what we have observed lately, and I think is, Cr- Chris acknowledged it. Frankly,
1: is surrendering some of that autonomy part of the reason Chris Ballard is still here? Uh, I, I don't. I don't think it's
6: anything explicit. Now, this is my observation, right? I don't think it's anything explicit that they have that they have necessarily agreed upon. Like, hey, this is how this is going to work, X, Y, and Z. No, I don't think that has happened. I think. There have been just some specific things of late where Jim Merce has inserted himself much more than he has in the past. Whether that continues remains to be seen. But but he has certainly done that more so now than in the past.
2: Stephen Holder from ESPN.com, and he's with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Stephen, I want to get a little bit more into how Ballard has operated at quarterback in his tenure. Um, and, And more like into the why. Do you find it odd at all that he came from Kansas City? He was one of the early Patrick Mahomes... Identifiers within that organization. I, I'm not going to pretend to know how much involvement he had, but again, he was there until about January. They drafted Mahomes. They traded up and drafted Mahomes in April. But in the fall is where they, you know, kind of got started to, to get enamored with Patrick Mahomes. So, given that, given the fact that Kansas City has been easily the most consistent team in the NFL, certainly the AFC over the last handful of years, do you find it odd at all that he has backed off of not doing something that Kansas City did? Over the last, you know, kind of four off seasons, when you look at the draft and all that.
6: that, that's an interesting question, and and actually, there's a good basis for that too. Um, I agree with you. I think that, well, let's back up. So back in Kansas City, the way Balak has described this in the past, if I recall correctly, is that fall where Patrick Mahomes was still playing at playing in college. I believe John Dorsey was the GM in Kansas city at the time. Uh, John sent him down to Texas to go scout him personally. Cause he's like, Hey, you know, we, we like this kid. I want, I want your thoughts. And so he went and, and scouted him in person and they were on Patrick Mahomes the whole time. There's no question about that. Uh, so yeah. And they were very aggressive in going to get him right. They, they made a very aggressive trade up in the draft. Chris Ballard has not done that. Um, I would say it is interesting, and it actually, I think, is is probably in line with his nature. I asked him this yesterday. I, I said to him, "I said, look, there's a perception among fans that you are not aggressive enough," mm-hmm. and and I think he knew what I was getting at, and he had, you know, he had some receipts that that, that indicate otherwise. It, the, the trade for the, you know the Forrest Buckner was, well, you could argue that was aggressive, but they have certainly or he has certainly had a history of trading down much more than trading up to go and get a player. And, and and I just think that that speaks to his nature, which is, Hey, I think I'm a pretty good draft. Uh, I think I execute pretty well in the draft. So if I get more draft picks, we'll get more good players. And that's his thought process, right? And it's not necessarily wrong. The problem is it doesn't fix your quarterback problem. So, He's trying to apply the consistent theory. You know, he's big on his process. He's trying to con- or apply that process to to the entire team. The problem is that does not get you the quarterback in today's day and age.
1: I kind of got the feel, Stephen, or I wonder this. Stephen Holder's our guest. He's on the Payless Sickers Hotline. You can read his work at ESPN.com. I got the impression that ballard has resigned himself to the fact that the time is now and he's painted into a quarter on corner on drafting a quarterback but his hesitation is perhaps this isn't the year to have to do that in other words the talent pool maybe he's not completely sold on of look it's not like there's and i i realize a trevor lawrence andrew luck you know Pate manning only comes along every you know there's a reason they're called generational right but that he's like, yeah, I, I guess this is the year I'll do it because everybody expects it, and I have no choice. But boy, I'm and putting the on owner might demand it, and the owner's demanding it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he seemed reluctant to me.
6: You agree? Yeah, well, look, I mean, I came away with you could you could come away with two different impressions, right? Like uh, I believe KB, you asked him. I think it was you who, who said, you know, are you willing to to trade up and go to number one if it needs if if need be. And he said, absolutely, I'll do whatever it takes. And literally the next breath, he said, hey, now, wait a minute. Now, it's not about where we take the guy. It's about getting the right guy. And It's what he always says. He says, you know, because if that guy doesn't play well, I'm going to I'm going to hear it from you guys. He has said that before. And I think it speaks to that that reluctance that he has demonstrated over the years. I, I do think that you're right. There is no Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. We don't think in this draft. And in fact, there isn't because if, if if there was, we would already know who that guy was. Right? So we know there's not, there may be good players, but there's not that flawless prospect, right? That everyone agrees upon. We don't have that. So it's not an ideal situation. However, you know those guys don't come around very often, but you also don't have the number four pick very often. So I, I think I think it, the the need and the opportunity have aligned. So th- they have to do it. That's it. That's it. They have to do it. All right. Yeah. Now you got to get it right, but they got to do it.
2: Stephen Holder, ESPN.com. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, it almost seemed like the vibe exiting last offseason, or at last season, into the offseason, was we are blaming Carson Wentz for 98% of things that happened with our football team last year. I don't know if we're at 98%, but I get a heavy vibe that we're blaming Frank Reich. And when I say we, I mean internally over there. There is a lot of blame to Frank Reich. And the issues, the culture, the mistakes, whatever you want to call it, for what transpired this last season. Do you get that vibe that like there is an immense amount of blame for Frank Reich? And do you agree or disagree with that?
6: I get, I get that sense a little bit, yes. And, and here's, here's why. And this applies to Carson Wentz last year and to Frank Reich this year. It's convenient. It's very, very convenient. For the parties involved it's very convenient for jim mercy to say well that's done okay you know because he wants to believe there's a they have a good team chris ballard wants to believe they have a good team jeff saturday has done it frankly without saying frank reich's name he has frankly done it very often just without saying frank reich's name, by saying well you know i am here hey what do you want me to do and you know it's very convenient for him right because uh, the alternative is he's got to take the blame, right? So it's very it's very convenient for everyone involved to pinpoint you know the the problems in one particular area. Uh, but I would argue, and, and I said this to Chris Ballard yesterday. I mean, you know, you you've basically said you were a quarterback away over and over and over. You know, and I had a prominent player tell me this in the locker room the other day. He said, you know, we've we've heard that we were a quarterback away the last three years we not. Okay? He said it better than I could have. And, and that's the problem. I mean, if, if they were only a quarterback away, then, you know, the, the issues with the offensive line would have mattered less. Um, you know, Shaquille Leonard's injury would have mattered less. Right? All of these other problems they had would not have mattered as much if their team was as good as they thought it was. So I think that's what they got to figure out. They got to figure out you know, I guess what I'm saying is they, they can't make the same mistake twice. And they are they are indicating that they may actually do that. I, I don't think they're quite where they were last year in terms of fooling themselves. But, yes, I do hear a little bit of that. And they've got to shake themselves out of that.
1: Steven, not in words, but just kind of in overall theme, do you think it's possible that Jim Mersey has basically messaged to Chris Ballard, look, Jeff Saturday is my guy. Your task is to go out there and find the one individual that you can sell me against that and convince me otherwise. Otherwise, that's my safety school.
6: Well, well it, it's it's pretty clear that uh, I, th- I think Jeff Saturday has, the best thing Jeff Saturday has going for him, put it this way, is Jim Mercer, 1,000%, right? And, in fact, I, I have to wonder whether, without Jim Mercedes' affinity for Jeff Saturday, I do wonder whether he's a candidate for this job at all. Like if it's up to Chris Ballard, you know? I mean, right. Chris Ballard publicly, publicly admitted yesterday he didn't want the guy. Now, we all knew that, okay? That is not a surprise. We've been saying it and reporting it for months, Right. But he publicly said it. Okay, he could have easily said, "Well, you know, we had a, we had a vibrant discussion, etc." No, he said he told Jim say, "Yeah, I don't think this is a good idea. We're putting him in a bad spot. Why would we do this?" <laughs> I mean, I was I was a little bit shocked that he was like that nonchalant about the admission, and so and here he is now, telling us at the same time that that guy is a candidate. Uh, so, uh, and and the other thing is. The, the only case that anyone's made for Jeff Saturday is that, you know, he he got the team to play hard and uh, they had a lot of discipline. My argument, my counter argument is, if you want to argue against that, which is not my job, but I'm just, you know, giving you the the, the potential argument. The argument is, yeah, well, get a coach with more experience who also can instill discipline. Like, that's not that hard, you know? So, anyway, to your question, uh, all I can say is that uh, without Jim Irsay's opinion of Jeff Saturday, I I don't think Jeff Saturday is in the mix, frankly.
2: Steven, um, do you get the vibe that Jim Harbaugh is not a coaching candidate for the Colts?
6: it's, It's interesting. I...
2: And I get that there's a lot of confusion, probably on like the Harbaugh side of things. It almost seems like he's yeah. kind of pitching himself out there for contractual purposes.
6: Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't know what his I don't know what his angle is, right, Jim Jeff? Uh, excuse me, Jim Harbaugh. Um, I don't know the answer. I, I will tell you. I mean, I heard his name. Uh, I heard his, I heard buzz about his name from in the building um, a few weeks ago, but I have not heard anything since. So. I, it's hard to know. I, I, I can only imagine this is very speculative, but it's possible uh, that there's some some disagreement on the on the Harbaugh side of things, as you said. Um, maybe he's working through some things. I, I think that's possible and And if and when he gets what he wants, <laughs> uh, then the next dominoes will fall or not fall. right So I, I think that might be what's happening but but I have not heard anything specific to Harbaugh on the Colts in quite some time
1: you know Stephen I think another question to ask is if you had to grade so I'll ask you I guess if you had to grade A to F obviously F being the worst in terms of just how good a job the Colts head coaching job is right now and I get that you know for a for a Ben Johnson probably pretty good because he's looking for a shot right but for a Jim Harbaugh or a coach that seemingly is going to have options if they want to go to the NFL, where does Indianapolis grade in terms of likability of job? I don't think it's that high. Uh, I would say... <clears throat> for what reason do you it, think it, it would not be seen as high?
6: Okay. And I would I would put it in the sort of C range, um, which is, you know... I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily the worst job ever, but but you got a lot of complications here. So okay, here here's a couple. Number one, the quarterback issue is the first. Now I know they have the number four pick, but look, have you have people paid attention to young quarterbacks around the NFL? It's it's fifty fifty at best, right? Okay, and that's and by so, like year two, right? Right, and and then guess what? I mean, so like here's take Robert Robert Sala in New York, right? This is a guy who I think is an excellent football coach and and you know what and, and he's going to be under a lot of pressure next year you know why because his quarterback situation sucks and because he hasn't had an opportunity to really to really show that you know he hasn't had an opportunity I think to, to really demonstrate the kind of coach he is because he's been un, out he's been undermined by young quarterbacks and so my point is that could be you you know prospective pulse head coach you know that could be them you know we have no idea how this is going to go and and there is it is a crapshoot. i think they need to go draft that quarterback but it's a crapshoot. okay let's be honest about this uh, and the fans have to be honest about this too uh the other thing is uh i, I think they're a team that look i think whatever window they have if, if they if they had a quarterback let's say let's ask this if they had a quarterback right now blackpool quarterback you would think, okay, they have some kind of window open to maybe compete. But I think it's, I don't think it's open for as, as long as, as maybe they think. You know what I mean? Like, like some of those guys are, are getting older. You know, you start to worry about injuries. And they have some, like Shaquille Leonard, what's his situation? Like, I mean, things change fast in the NFL is what I'm saying. So, the impression of the Colts two years ago has nothing to do with where they are right now. You know, I mean, two years from now, they could be in a much different place. They could be a a team that's a has been (laughs) a lot of those players are not in position or are not in the the prime of their careers. So I don't I don't know that you can even hang your hat on that. You know, the the non quarterback spots on this team still pretty good, but I think not as it's not as much of a slam dunk as, as maybe it was, if that makes sense.
2: Stephen, last one for me, and Stephen Holder with us from the from ESPN.com. Typically, a Ballard season-ending press conference would lead to a lot of personnel-specific questions, like your free yeah. agents and your players, and obviously, for many reasons, we just didn't have a lot of those yesterday, but there were some. Um, what I got from a few of them, he thinks Bernard Ryman can very well be the left tackle of the future, so I almost kind of cross-left tackle off the list in Ballard's eyes for this offseason, at least with a really important resource. Um, He sounds very open to paying Jonathan Taylor the money that Jonathan Taylor's camp will probably want, and he is a big fan of Michael Pittman's as well. Probably not, you know unquestionably number one guy, like he can do anything he wants with the football in his hands, but he likes him. Taylor and Pittman both do extensions, or could have extensions, I should say, this offseason. Your thoughts on that and any other personnel stuff?
6: Yeah, I would agree with with everything you said there. Uh, Those were my impressions as well. I think the Michael Pittman thing has been a question for me uh, because... You know, Chris Ballard's never really spent money at that position at wide receiver, so so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Pittman's what is twenty 2021-22, 20, so he's got one more year left. Yeah, both him conference. and Taylor one year one more year left. Right, but but both of those guys, if their agents are doing their jobs, are going to want to deal this year, right? This offseason. and and we'll see what happens there. That that may or may not happen, uh, but I but I do think the the question that that we didn't get to ask. And, and he probably wouldn't have answered it anyway, is do they need to go big at the skill positions? Because as much as I like Michael Pittman, I think they need another chip there. And, and, and that is something he's never shown any willingness to do. You are going to have a very young quarterback here, who potentially, who you are very invested in. Go help that kid. For the love of God, go help that kid. You know, And, and you're not going to do it by having just sort of a, a middling wide receiver group. I thought they were fine this year. I, I don't think that was their problem necessarily, okay? Let me be clear. But they don't have a threat at tight end. I mean, Jelani Woods was really their biggest threat. Uh, they don't have a, a wide receiver who keeps you up at night, even though Michael Pittman, very good, not elite, but good. And so I just think that is going to be the difference passing game being just kind of meh versus oh my god these guys are really good you know I, and they can't get to really good I don't think with what they currently have
1: you know I, I think your voice sounds kind of badass this morning to be honest with you like I don't want to be awkward here but I think it's kind of cool sounding it's making some great improvements Steven <laughs> <laughs> I mean you said you were a little hoarse and I thought well okay and then it, I, I don't know it's not Barry White level but it's kind of cool
6: oh this is awkward <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the raspiness is... Uh, it, I, I get it. You, you're into that. I get it. <laughs> it's good. It's good.
1: <laughs> well... I'm just saying. Yesterday, Chris Ballard just confessed yeah. to the things he likes, so what the Easy hell. Now. Like, Easy open now. Open book here, right?
6: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, did he ever. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: Stephen,
2: uh, thank you for all the Wednesday conversations with us throughout the season and continuing it here early in the offseason. We probably will bug you a few times here in the coming weeks and months, but uh, have always enjoyed our, uh, our weekly chat, so thank you for that.
5: I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's the fourth pick of the draft. Um, we aren't—I mean, excuse my language—but we are. We earned that. Um, <laughs> I don't like earning it, but we did. Um, I've said this before, and I think history proves me right. I can take one. We can take one as an organization, and y'all are going to celebrate it and say we have got the savior for the Colts. And then if he doesn't play well, why'd you take that guy? You got to be right. We got to be right. We understand the magnitude of where we understand the magnitude of where we're at in the draft and we understand the importance of the position. Attributes. to get one That's
2: Chris Ballard yesterday at a season ending press conference in regards to the quarterback position said this a little bit earlier in the show, but when the path that you've decided at quarterback has led to no division titles and one playoff win, I would think that should be an indicator to you it's time to do things different. And Jake, turn on your television set Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. Next week as well. You'll watch the AFC operate with seven playoff quarterbacks all under the age of 27. How can anyone think that the path that you've taken... Needs to continue to be the path at that position when you look around
1: the conference. And before we get to Jason's call, because he's got a name that I like, to be honest with you, and I'm intrigued by, let's go over something real quick. The teams in the AFC that you're talking about, okay? They are. Go ahead and name them off for me.
2: Yeah, all seven playoff teams, again, age 27 or younger. So, yeah,
1: Kansas City. Okay, you got... Patrick Mahomes, they traded up to get him. Correct. Correct. About
2: twenty-ish okay. spots. Okay. Uh, Buffalo's the two c They traded up twice to get Josh That's Allen. Josh Allen. Okay. Uh, three seed, uh, Cincinnati. Right. Joe Burrow, number one overall. Organic. Okay. Jacksonville, number one overall. Trevor. Yep. Uh, five seeds. The Chargers. Justin Herbert at did, six. Did they trade up to get him? No, they did not. Okay. Um, next up, you have the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson traded up. Tw- uh, I think it was like about twenty spots as well okay. into the first round to take him. And then, last
1: but not least, you have Tua, fifth overall pick for the Dolphins. So three of those guys, teams said, you know what, that's our guy. We got to move up and get him, right?
2: And Jake, three trades that are not. We're trading from seven to four or thirteen to eleven. Kansas City, I think, it was twenty-seven to ten. Buffalo I believe was 21 to 7 and Baltimore I think it was like 52 to 32 you're talking and that's how I prefaced the question to Chris Bauer yesterday I said to him when you look at Kansas City and Buffalo they've made these giant moves what what has kept you from a hesitant standpoint Kansas City and Buffalo made the playoffs in each of the years prior to drafting these respective quarterbacks Think right. about that as an organization. You sit down at the end of the season, you just make the playoffs, and you say, you know what? We can't be content with this. Andy Reid, brilliant offensive mind, Alex Smith, fine quarterback, said, guys, we need somebody different. We need we need a guy that can do stuff that I can't, you know, X and O's our way to victory over the course of 60 minutes. And that's why I asked Stephen Holder the question earlier. Given Ballard's Kansas City background and his initial Patrick Mahomes impression, it's always been odd to me that he hasn't gone down the path that the class of the AFC and where he came from um, has been for the last handful of
1: seasons. Two three nine ten seventy 1070 is the telephone number. Jason joins us. Hi, Jason. Good morning.
7: Good morning. I, I got a name for you, and, and I don't know if we have to trade up for this. We actually may be able to trade down and still be able to get this quarterback. But he's injured. But man, when he was on top playing Georgia – Everybody was all, all about Hooker playing from Tennessee. Where are we at with him now? Why? I mean, yeah, he's injured. We got a guy for another year. Matt Ryan's still here for another year. Whether we want him or not, he can still train this young man. Alex Smith trained Patrick Mahomes. Brett Favre trained. You know Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rogers, right,
2: Jason. Are you a Tennessee uh, fan?
7: No, I'm not. Actually, I'm not. But when he played IU last year and whipped the crap out of us. Wow, he opened my eyes. Man. He's pretty electric, isn't he? I, I,
2: honestly, I was just hoping you could sing Rocky Top for us because I <laughs> love that fight song. Um, I agree with with Jason on, I do too, on man. him Hooker. Obviously, the questions, the ACL, I don't think is as much of a question. Uh, maybe you're worried about just how much off-season work he can get in. Jake, would you worry at all about his age? I think if you threw him into the AFC playoff quarterbacks, I think he'd be the second or third oldest.
3: I think he's 25, Mark, if Mind looking that up? He will turn 25 in two days. Brandon Whedon probably hurt a lot of guys in that regard, oh, right? Gosh,
1: don't even bring up that name. Because he was a guy that was that Chris looked, Wanky. Brandon Whedon got that. his
3: AARP card like five years ago, didn't he? <laughs> I got mine at like 40. So age would not worry more. you? Be 25 years old,
2: he'd hit that second contract at 30. Again, he plays a position where, you know, we see guys that get into their mid-30s and still play pretty good football
1: age to me is like the sats when you're coming out of high school i think it's a tiebreaker i don't look at it first it's like if it's between two players and you go okay you probably go with the younger one but uh, i do think that he is electric I, I i think he's again i you know i don't know what his size is and that kind of thing and I mean, it's I not like i sat here dude and, you know not like i mean i'm looking here six four two twenty two. 222 that's yeah i mean that's pretty well impressive. built yeah yeah, I, I don't know if I'd use electric Jake,
2: but I mean certainly what they did at Tennessee was impressive. Now that college offense, I think there are some NFL skeptics of it. Like, is it too gimmicky? Do we not do enough of that in the NFL um, to get him to play to that level? So I, yeah, I, I like him, but I, I'd go different routes. Now I wish high. he
1: could have. Hendon Hooker, whether it would be a couple of incompletions or just some more passes before he got hurt to his completion percentage career, 66.6. I, I'm not a big fan of the 666 mm. there, but, you know.
2: Yeah, boy, I thought you were going a different number in regards to Hendon Hooker.
1: <laughs> Build your own joke, right? Mm-hmm. Simply two, about- 2.4 percentage points away. The maturation by Mark Dyke's in there. Just calm over there. <laughs>
2: Yep. Hey, I the Maybe only reason easy. I bring it up, I mean, Chris Ballard said some things yesterday that got me, oh boy, I need to hide behind the laptop. Twenty seven touchdowns,
1: here. only two interceptions. I mean, he if he doesn't tear the ACL, does he win the Heisman? Probably, yes. Because mm-hmm. yeah. Tennessee doesn't
2: yeah. I guess were they already losing to South Carolina, I kind of forget how that game unfolded when Hooker I think they were getting beat uh pretty soundly in that one, but they certainly would have been in the mix.
3: Jim Caldwell interviewing for the Broncos job today, by the way. I like Jim Caldwell.
2: Mm-hmm. Does Peyton Manning get Jim Caldwell that job?
1: That's it's good connection there, isn't it? It's a good point. I'm curious to see
2: how that one plays out. Luke wants to talk about a guy we talked about earlier. Luke, I got a new nephew named
8: Luke. I love the name. Yeah, well it's biblical, so it's a big one. Um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Ben Johnson, first off, I think, you know, wasn't a name on my radar for a while. was D'Amico Ryan, Jim Harbaugh, and uh, Raheem Morris there on my list. And then Ben Johnson in that last game just looked looked like he kind of got a feel for it. He's a young coach, which is a new wave, it seems like. And then I'm also curious to kind of see what you guys think about what it might take to get up to that number one spot. My friends and I have been talking. We offer the bear, Kenny Moore. Our pick, and then maybe a future second round, potentially a third if we need to. do they say no?
3: Yes. Mark's hyperventilating. No, that's that's no.
2: no. Luke, can you leave Luke on for a second? Sure. Luke, uh, on the Ben Johnson front, before we get in the hypothetical number one uh, trade, would it? Will you have any pause at the lack of just coordinator experience? He's done it for a little bit over a year. Like, would making that jump all the way to head coach be too much? Are you, are you at much? the
8: grocery store, Luke? I am at the grocery okay. store, Kroger in downtown. <laughs> um, oh, I love that Kroger. But, uh, I don't, you know. I was looking at that, but it's something about these coaches that rises through an organization quickly. I mean, it almost seemed like they created a fake position for him with offense quality control, and then they did tight ends for two years, and then went to OC. So with these rising stars that kind of just blitz through the organization and keep on making a name for themselves, you kind of kind of think like. This guy's got to have something special to kind of jump up that quick,
2: Luke. I'm always afraid in that Kroger, that swinging gate you walk through to get into the Kroger. I'm always afraid it's going <laughs> right to hit into me. It. Yeah, right
1: into it. It's Krogers, nah, by the I'm way. I'm always
2: afraid it's going to hit me where it counts. Uh, <laughs> Luke, thank you for the for the call there, Jake. Any concern that Ben Johnson is not experienced enough, or is this one of those things where if you wait another
1: year, some team's going to reap the benefits I, of it? Both, to be honest with you, because he is. Uh, you ever heard of the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon? Sure, but
2: I think you've explained it here.
1: Ben Johnson is like the he's like the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. Like you haven't not, you know, you've not heard of something and then the first time you hear about it and all of a sudden like you turn around and it's everywhere. He seems to have kind of all of a sudden risen to that level just in the last week in the NFL circles. But I think any time that you have a 36-year-old coordinator who's a nice-looking guy, young guy, People get excited by that, right? They get excited by youth and energy. Um,
2: Again, Brad Stevens vibes
1: is kind of, w- of what, I'm,
2: what I'm getting with Ben Johnson. We had Dave Burkett on earlier, covers the Lions for the Detroit Free Press. If you missed that, I'd encourage people to check out that podcast for a little bit more on that. Let's talk trade-up for the number 1 pick. Mark, um, I thought you were literally going to jump out of your chair there <laughs> when he was going through the trade. So did I have it right? He said fourth overall pick uh, – did he say the second round pick? So that'd be, what, 35 I overall? he said
3: second next year. Oh, did he go there? I thought he said second next year in Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore. I think something you
2: have to remember about trading for
3: players is, and Mark, you've brought this up, I mean, you're absorbing big contracts. Right. That's why, that's why all the talk that, oh, we'll trade the Bears Quentin Nelson or Shaq Leonard or Kenny Moore. No. Yeah. I laugh at the Leonard one more than anything, just no, given his medical why, history. Why would the Bears get rid of Roquan Smith and then trade for an older, more right. expensive, and less healthy linebacker in Shaq Leonard? Why would they want Quentin Nelson, who has a had a horrible 2022 season, and absorb that contract? I there, think nobody wants to talk want.
1: about the fact that Quentin Nelson had a bad year. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's like taboo yeah, to he mention def- the fact
3: he had a bad year. He had a notable regression. Kenny Moore. He's a free agent. In 2024, so you have to make a decision on there. You also have Kyler Gordon and other guys that you just drafted. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I think, don't think the
2: the trading our veteran expensive players to other teams yeah. is such a popular thing, and I understand it. The connection with Matt Ibraflus is probably why people think it's a more of a possibility. But I think if you're Ryan Poles, the general manager there, you want picks.
3: You want. You don't want aging veterans that want money. You want to offer a veteran player to the Bears one that would get me excited DeForest Buckner you know that one would do it and Matt Eberflus yeah big fan
1: one one thing that I'm tired of
3: you're standing up I'm getting nervous here
1: I understand it Shaquille Leonard is a guy as I understand it where where he grew up I, I think that Clemson is where he wanted to play maybe it was South Carolina but he's from that area and he wasn't recruited and so he had to go to a smaller school and he went to South Carolina State um And I get that when you are overlooked in the recruiting process and you're from a small town and there are a lot of things that went against you in life that you find ways to motivate yourself and doubters motivate you. I totally understand and respect it. He's now a highly paid all-pro NFL player. So I get that he's got to create that same Drive within himself. I've never seen anyone like him. But, but dude, you're in the NFL now, man. Everybody knows you're a great player. You're getting paid a ton of money. The constant, like, world is, you know, me against the world thing. Leave that to Tupac. You know, I mean, it's just kind of played out at this point. It's a little old. To get to one, I think it would be the fourth pick, and Mark, feel free to
2: rip me if you want. 35th pick, and then your first pick, uh, first
3: round pick next year.
1: I was going to say, I would think that
3: would you be good with that, Mark? Yep. Uh, anything that doesn't include the fourth and the second this year is a non-starter. Uh, obviously, yes. The first next year is going to hurt right, Colts fans, but you also have to jump Houston and a bunch of other teams that are going to throw a ton of package options you, if, at the Bears. Would
1: the Bears take that?
3: I don't know if they will. I, I mean, they're going to be I, I fielding offers would, Mark, left and right. Because you don't fall back that much. And I think you're also projecting of, do you think the Colts are going to be good next year? Exactly. And if you don't think that, then you know you're projecting like well that could be another top 10 top 5 pick next year
2: because if you're the bears you look at that and say two quarterbacks will go above us we're sitting here at the fourth pick that means we either get the second best defensive player in the draft mm-hmm. in all likelihood or the best non quarterback on offense and i don't know if there's a wideout worthy of going to 4 i don't know if we we've heard a lot of that yeah. chatter but that is a position that you would have if to If Martin Harrison wideout.
3: Jr was available then yes there
1: would sure. be but is i don't there think there a, there a wideout that is on a roster somewhere that is expendable that somebody could dangle to the Bears along with their pick and make that to sweeten the pot.
2: Mm Kind of saw a little Chase Claypool of that back around the trade deadline. Uh, Jacob wanted to talk left
7: tackle. Jacob, good morning. Hey, how you guys doing today? We are doing great, man. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Hey, before I uh, comment, man, I just want to say, man, I I greatly appreciate you guys, man. You guys bless me every morning driving into work, uh, listening to your guys' show. I love the dad jokes. I love everything about the show, man, so uh, the, I'm sure I speak... The, the dad
3: home. jokes come happen. from the guy that doesn't have kids, too, usually. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, have you,
7: crazy? have you called you the program before? Uh, I believe I have, but I was going into work, so I had to hang up every well, time.
1: Well, uh, they're kind <laughs> words of you. I, I want to make sure you're aware. You are calling Kevin and Quarry, correct?
7: Correct. Okay. Yes, sir. You guys are the greatest. Now, I speak for the whole community, man. We, we, we love you guys. What man. line of work correct, are you in, Jacob? Uh,
1: appreciate that, Jacob. Very Very I, kind. I am a I'm a truck driver. Oh, that's cool. That's like my dream job. I would love to be a truck driver. Um, hopefully, not some time before you're going into your shift, since you're a truck driver. But would you like to be invited to our PBR party?
7: Uh, I would, but I do not drink. But that's I'm still fine. To have a good time.
1: Diet cokes, yeah. man. I'll I'll sit there and have diet <laughs> yeah. cokes with you, Jacob.
7: Jacob, no what's your that, favorite but...
2: highway in the state of Indiana?
7: Oh man, I had to say 65 South, honestly. Just going south. I love going south. Yeah, how, far, how far Edinburgh, do you drive? You get
1: a nice view there. Are you, are you just like an over-the-road within-the-state trucker, or do you drive across the country?
7: Yeah, yes, sir. I'm local. So I may go to I may go to Michigan, Illinois, Ohio, and down maybe like Newburgh, Indiana.
2: Okay. Fair enough. Newburgh, great golf course, Victoria National. Uh, Jacob, uh, left tackle, you want to draft or you don't want to draft?
7: So, so with what the other caller said about him and Hook, Hooker, what if we did draft a left tackle? We move Wyman to right tackle and move Braden Smith into right guard. Ooh, I mean, that that kind of sounds like a interesting. A, hmm. Okay. I mean, you, you you lock up maybe three positions on the offensive line that struggle. and with you know you, I think the guy from Northwest uh, Skoronski, mm-hmm. I think he's like the number one tackle. Um, and I know it's going to be an unpopular opinion, and we need a quarterback, but man, to to be able to do some shifting on that offensive line and maybe maybe get it what it needs to be and that sounds good to me. Boy, that that's
4: an it's interesting
2: That's an interesting point, Jacob. Thank you for the call and really appreciate the kind words there and safe travels on the roads. Um get me. Boy, I haven't given that too much thought. You know, I think the big thing, a lot of people thought, could you move Bernard Ryman to guard? I think Ryman's a tackle given his tight end background, his body type. So, I like Jacob's idea you'd keep him at tackle. Again, he's trained at left tackle pretty much the whole year off season. so I don't know if I'd all of a sudden want to shift him over to right tackle. You know, could the Skaronsky kid out of Northwestern or another tackle, uh, could they just play right tackle and then you move Braden Smith inside? Because, Jake, when they moved Braden Smith inside earlier this year for a game or two, The thought there was to get a little bit more power in the run game. They felt like they were honestly just too weak. And I mean that physically, at right guard, just getting run over. At right guard. So, I still don't like it in round one. And I kind of think a weapon early in round two. But, given how the offensive line has played this season... I'd be talking out both sides of my mouth if I sat here and said, you know, you 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 definitely don't take an offensive lineman that early.
1: I, I don't like it, but I can hear you on it. You know, the Colts have had they have a history of dominant linemen from Northwestern. I'll say that, but I can who be who I missing on the besides Chris Hinton? That that I'm just saying, Chris Hinton. Hinton I mean, arguably their best lineman ever, right? Um, I can be sold, but it's a risk. I could be sold on sliding out of, or, or I'm sorry, waiting until round two to take your quarterback. Quite frankly, if, if they think Hendon Hooker can be that guy, and if it's because there's a player they can't pass on at number four, and they don't think that the window is that great between, or the gap between Stroud and say Hooker, does Hooker I, get all the way to 35? That's the problem. That's the risk, right? That's the risk. Can you imagine? Hmm. That's the that's the risk. But I'm open to it. I'm open to the thought of it.
2: 65 South. That was an interesting answer. You got Edinburgh.
1: Yeah, I, 65 South to me. That stretch between Edinburgh and Sea. I always enjoy seeing Louisville. I mean, Columbus. You get those that the weird like arch things. It, I don't know what's really yeah, going on the, there. Br- is it a bridge? Yeah, it's a bridge type dealio. Um, but then from from Columbus to like North Vernon is just like ugh. You know. There used to be outlets in Seymour. I went in one time to the J Crew outlet, and i i I was like, "Wow, there are cars in the parking lot, but it doesn't look very and it looks kind of busy, but everything else is kind of slow." And I went in and shopped for like ten minutes, and went up to the counter and set everything down. And the gal said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I'd like to buy this merchandise," and she said, "This is our holiday party. We're closed." Oh, okay. So I got I got a cookie and and a hot chocolate and said thank you and left my stuff on the counter and walked out. Cooking hot chocolate, say no more. <laughs>
2: exit 95, that was a popular one for me in high school. Jake, you turn right, go to our regional golf course, turn left, go to the Legends or State Finals golf course. So yeah, exit 95 uh, for me was a popular one off 65. We got a ton of calls. Um, we probably only have time for one or two more. Uh, let's go with Tim. I want to talk about moving up in the draft. Morning, Tim.
7: Hey guys, um, after I just heard your hypothetical on uh, moving up and having to give up a first round pick next year, I, I got, I almost threw up in my mouth <laughs> thinking about drafting a quarterback and these guys, I mean, it seems like it's a 50% hit rate when you draft a quarterback in the top five, that they're going to be your franchise quarterback. And then, if we draft Young or Stroud or Levis, whoever it is, and then they're a bust, then you you're, aren't are you, like, hosed for the next three or four years now because you hey, gave up that first-round pick
1: next year? Welcome to the reality of the yeah. NFL when Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck aren't in your lap.
7: Right? Right, right. That, I get it. That's I get, the scary I get part, Tim.
2: They could easily be Zach Wilson as they could be Joe right. Burrow.
7: Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold. I mean, Link Matt LaFleur. I mean, they, the list goes on. Yeah, yeah. It, maybe it's even less than fifty percent.
2: Yeah, and and thank you for the call, Tim. I, I want to make this very clear, Jake. It's the path, in my opinion, you have to go down draft a quarterback to try and have a franchise that can win at the highest of levels for a decade. But by no means, am I saying is it the easiest path? Like, right. it, It's not easy. Right? It, uh, there's a correct at all. I mean, it, it is. It is a crapshoot. Uh, Mark one more. Let's go, uh, Randy.
5: Randy. Hey, nice talking to you guys this morning.
2: Randy, I feel like all Randys just are just loud, bring great energy. <laughs> would, would that describe you? Uh, not really. Oh,
1: okay. You well, sound like a fun guy, yeah, though. Randy. Totally wrong on that, Randy. Thanks for calling, though. <laughs> Randy, you are you what? I here's here's what I picture of a Randy. You ready? Yeah. Uh, do you wear flannel? No, really? Okay. Well, We are really striking out here, Mark. You want to try
7: it? You yeah, know, Randy. Try what,
1: what part of Indiana are you from, Randy? Um, just east of New Palestine. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'm glad you can hear us. Uh, what's going
7: on this morning? Good morning to you. I'm uh, I'm thinking a little bit outside the box here uh, on our on the QB. If you would look at Jordan Love, if he was coming out in this particular draft class. Would he be ranked up there with the current C.J. Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, Will Levis? Uh, and if so, he's already served, what, three years as a backup to Rodgers? What about trading for him?
2: Appreciate that call, Randy. A um, couple things on the Jordan Love front. Chris Ballard still here in Indy, so I find this relevant. Um, Ballard was not too enamored with Jordan Love coming out of the draft. Um Had some personal conversations with Love and just wasn't blown away by what Ballard feels like is necessary from a quarterback leadership standpoint. Now, does three years of quarterback mediocrity change that opinion? Does he feel like there's more maturation there? We'll see, but I think it's worth mentioning because Ballard is still here. The other thing I think worthy to point out, Jordan Love, he's been in the league for three years. Is this his fourth year coming up? Yeah. Gosh, it's crazy. You would have to pay him. Yeah. And, and what mm-hmm. would that contract look like? I mean, I have no idea what Jordan Love is going to merit there. And then, of course, if Aaron Rodgers hangs it up, I mean, Green Bay is going to keep him, right?
1: Packers suck! You wonder if that means Green Bay would up the price for him because they know that be, That would be interesting is to see what Green Bay offers him. That tells you what they think of him. Right? That's, that's such
3: a small sample size that he's given uh, over those four years. That, that's such a risk to... You'd have to trade some premium draft capital just for that.
2: Better chance: Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady is playing quarterback in the NFL in twenty twenty three.
3: Uh, Aaron Rodgers. They owe too much. The Packers have like too much money that they owe him to, for him to walk away. I fifty six million. But
1: Brady's got like this internal drive slash narcissism that makes it hard to think that he's not going to walk or that he's that he's not going to return. Raiders. The Colts play the Bucks and the Raiders for what it's worth
2: next year. So the Colts, I feel like for the last three years, I've walked out of Lucas Oil Stadium and been like, oh, it's pretty cool. This probably is probably the, the last, seventh
5: to final last time, time that gonna Brady's going to Brady. be here.
2: <laughs> Seriously.